Um, I want to encourage you this morning in just being hungry for God's word. Because, you know, the reality is your hunger level and your desire to hear from God does have something to do with your capacity to receive from him. Amen. And so let's just be hungry today and let's believe that as as God's word is spoken, that he's going to speak to every one of us. That sound good. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth in it. And today we open up our hearts to hear exactly what you're saying. And we ask God, speak. Your word has authority and power. Speak. I pray for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to just allow your word to come through with authority. Lord, let what's in your heart come through today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Romans uh, 3.20 says this. This is a really cool verse. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I just love this scripture because it's, it's like God's disposition of, hey, I'm going to stand at the door and knock. And kind of the way I see it in my mind's eye, it's like the Lord is like knocking on the door of our heart. And he's just like, hey, if you hear it, and if you will open the door, I'm coming in. Isn't that awesome? His love for us. We're in a new series that's called Stay. And we're talking about scriptures where people either desire to stay with the Lord or were invited to stay with the Lord. And today... Um, Our scripture is going to come out of Luke chapter 19, and I'm going to read you a story that some of you, if you went to church as a child, you probably heard this story along the way. As an adult, it might not be a story you think about very often, but it's a story about a man named Zacchaeus. And it's just a few um, brief verses, but listen to this story. It it really paints a picture as you hear it. Luke 19.1 says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Would you say the word Zacchaeus? Uh, What a fun name that is, right? Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short and he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Would you say the word stay? I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, and he was gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up, and he said to the Lord, 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 here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came. Why? The son of man came to what? To seek and save the lost. Isn't that a beautiful story? Um, If you heard this story as a child and you were hearing me read it, you probably thought of a little song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. 
And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today for I'm going to your house today. Isn't that catchy? You're welcome. Um, This story in Luke chapter 19, it it occurs in Jericho. And um, Jericho is a really wealthy city outside of Jerusalem. It's in in greater Palestine area, if you will. And um, it's this wealthy city and a trade city. And Zacchaeus, is a, he's a tax collector. In fact, not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector, which meant that he was a tax collector who had tax collectors working for him. So he was high up in the IRS, if you will, right? Um, and Zacchaeus would have been quite wealthy. I mean, Scripture already says that he's wealthy, but that position would be would have afforded him a lot of wealth. And the thing is, is like, and by the way, tax collectors did not have a great reputation. It's not like they were liked. I don't know how many of you love calling the IRS now, but, you know, they really wasn't like then. Um, But he's not just a a tax collector. He is a, a Jewish tax collector. And that meant that he was considered a traitor among his own people because he's working for the Roman Empire who the Jewish people would have wanted freedom from and liberation from. And basically, he's working for the man, right? Um, Meaning that he's he's choosing profit over his community. He's choosing his own benefit over his own people. And if all that isn't enough to make Zacchaeus quite the outsider, um, Scripture decides to point out that he's particularly short as well. It's kind of curious, like, how short was he? And uh, the research says he was probably under five feet tall back in that day. And, um, of course, the story sets it up so that they, you understand why he can't see over people. And so you see this picture. You have a short, wealthy, trader, tax collector. Not exactly the hero of a story, right? Um, and he does this curious thing. Here's that Jesus is coming into town, and he runs ahead of the crowd, climbs up in a a sycamore tree just so that he can see Jesus, which in doing this, he is breaking like several like cultural norms that you you just don't do. Um, In this day and age, I mean, if if me or or Jeremiah were to like run ahead and climb a tree to see somebody, y'all would be like, he is motivated. But like. This outsider, short guy, tax collector, turncoat, right? like two things you don't do as a Jewish man. You don't run in public, especially, and you don't climb trees to see people like he's just kind of breaking all these cultural norms. You know, sometimes I think in our lives we are too sensitive to cultural norms. You know, like there's there's cultural norms out there and things out there that will hem us in, like things like at work. You don't talk about politics and you don't talk about religion, right? That's just a cultural norm. Or, you know, it's wrong to push your beliefs on someone else. We, you know, you can't push what you believe on other people, which sounds polite, maybe. And yet we live in a society that, like, the whole thing works on advertising, right? I mean, on TV, on your phone, on your notification, Black Friday, you know, everything that is coming at you, somebody is advertising what they think you need. Um, I think it's working because 
I have the watch and I have the phone and I have the iPad and I can transition seamlessly to my MacBook Pro. I think it's working. But apparently that's okay. But I can't talk about the giver of life because I'm pushing my beliefs. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there are right ways and wrong ways to speak what you believe. But cultural norms will say, don't speak at all. But we can't allow cultural norms to like lock the truth of God's love up inside of us. The truth of, of who Jesus is and, and, and what he has done is it's far too powerful and it's, it's far too compelling to allow it to be crowded out by cultural norms. Honestly, it's a weak excuse. And it's one that we can be um, duped into. And I just, I just want to encourage you, not all cultural norms should we always have to abide by. As a matter of fact, if I'm willing to break a cultural norm, to talk about this Jesus who I love, and people know that I'm breaking the rule, maybe they'll even listen more. I would encourage you not to be weird about it. You know, sometimes we can be like spooky and creepy about it. Don't do that. It's not necessary. Jesus and his Holy Spirit has like, like plenty of power and authority to just use your, your, your words and your actions. If you want to be weird, we'll love you anyhow. Just not necessary. I love in this story the humility that Zacchaeus shows. Um, he, he doesn't appear to have any regard in this story for what people think. Because I think he's probably self-aware enough to know he's short, to know he's a Jewish tax collector. If you're short, I love you. I'm five foot eight and three quarters. Does that tell you enough just that I describe my height that way? But he doesn't seem to care in this moment about any of that. He just wants to see Jesus. There's no fear of man in him. There's just this humility of like, you know what? This is what I need to do. I love Proverbs 29 25. It says, the fear of man will, provide to be a, um, will prove to be a, sn- a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You know, the reality is none of us can actually come to God in our arrogance and at work. Because... No one's impressing God. No one's going, oh, it's Dallas. Everybody out of the way. The man. You know, like God's getting out of his throne to make room for... Now, Dallas is amazing. But like, no one's coming to God out of their arrogance. All of us are coming to him in this sense of humility. And it's this weird paradox because the reality is we have to come to God with a, a humility of heart... And yet he makes us into his sons and daughters and gives us this great esteem and honor that we didn't earn ourselves so that we can hold our head high. But we can hold our head high because of who he's made us, not hold our head high because of our accomplishments. And so this, this, this paradox of humility, which we can absolutely maintain and nurture and grow in our lives, and yet he's making us into somebody who is just so valuable. It's a really beautiful process. And I, I want to encourage us, I, we, we should never lose our humility towards God. You know, things like, and, and I'm, if, if I'm saying this today, I'm not saying this to pick on people. I'm, I'm just saying, open up, just open up your ears and your hearts. You know, in, in worship, 
we'll do things that seem a little strange, like put our hands up in the air. By the way, I'm not putting my hands up in the air for you. I'm just, it's just like this expression of love and worship, right? There been times where I'll get down on my knees. It ain't for you. But it's something in my heart that just says, I'm in awe of you, God, and I just want to bow my knee to you, right? And just kind of like those, those things of, you know, I really don't care what I look like right now. I remember the first time I was going to, you know, step out and worship, and you know, it was like, okay, here we go. I believe in Jesus, and this song, I'm feeling the tingle in my heart, and you know, I'm going to do something. So here we go. Ready? The one flagger. And you're just singing. You're looking. And then, you know, you graduate and you're like, okay, I'm feeling it this Sunday. Dun, da, da, da. You know what happens is over time, you forget about what you're doing and you're just so focused on who he is. And it's, it's freedom. I'm not telling you that to be spiritual or to be super close to Jesus, you've got to have two hands up in the air. That's not what I'm preaching to you today. I'm preaching to you that humility will enable you to do things you wouldn't normally do. It'll make you climb trees and run ahead and just be like, I want to be with Jesus and I don't care what these jokers think. I just want to see them. Amen. And that freedom is healthy. It's healthy. And I think we need to maintain it. It's not like we're just walking around to other people going, you need to be humble. To get to God. No, we need to be humble before the Lord. Runs ahead, he climbs a tree, and it makes me wonder, like, so what's the backstory for Zacchaeus? Because surely it wasn't that he had heard of Jesus for the very first time and was like, well, I'm curious. I'll run ahead of the crowd and climb a tree and make myself look like a fool. Like, he must have heard something about Jesus. He must, something piqued his curiosity. And I wonder, was it like public conversation? Did he read it in, you know, the, the, the Jericho Street Journal that day? And he was like, I heard about Jesus through the newspaper or something. Like, or was it the public talking? Or was there an individual who had the boldness to say, have you heard about this Jesus of Nazareth? Who had a conversation, who planted some seeds, like, I heard that he raised a man from the dead. Right, he raised a man. No, really, you know, like, it's reported, and I've heard it in this city. Like, who was it that told this man about Jesus that made him this curious? And you know what? It convinces me that we are part of a lot of people's backstories. That every time you're talking about Christ and every time you're planting a seed of saying, hey, this is what God did in my life. Or, you know, I I went to church this weekend. It was really cool. I was struggling and God did some stuff in my heart. And, you know, I got a hug and it was like the hug I needed. And, you know, like just talking about what God is doing in your life and what you've seen. And did you hear about so-and-so who got healed of cancer? And did you, you know, like just the conversations, it's like all of the seed planting. And it's like we have this opportunity to be a part of people's backstory. The way that scripture talks about it in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, I planted a seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Did you believe that this morning, that if you plant seeds in people's heart, that God will make it grow? It says in scripture, his word does not come back void. Meaning that you cannot write a check of God's word and put it into somebody's life and it not do something. It's that powerful. 
That's why we refer to Scripture so much. It's because we can trust it. It's authoritative. It says that, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who is making things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they each will be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-labor, co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. And I just want to tell you today that every time you break a cultural norm and you speak about what God is doing and you actually talk about a Savior that you believe that can save people and transform their lives, every time we are doing that, every time we're having a one-on-one conversation or a public conversation, we are planting these seeds. And who knows what God might do in making those things grow. Luke 19.5 says this, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. Now, it's kind of cool because before, Zacchaeus is breaking the cultural norms by running ahead and getting up in the tree, right? But now, Jesus is going to break the cultural norms. And the reason is, it's like, in that society in that day, in Jewish culture, hospitality was huge. We talked a little bit about this last week. But hospitality was not measured by, like, when I have my buddy Daryl over at the house and, you know, whether or not I break out the good wings and the, you know, and chips and salsa and stuff. It's not measured by how I treat a friend. It's actually measured by how I treat strangers. And the way that it worked was you're supposed to invite strangers into your house. Last week we were talking about the road to Emmaus and these two men who, you know, they begged Jesus to stay with them. And it was a cultural right thing to do for them to invite this Jesus who they didn't even realize was Jesus at that point. Come and stay in our house. But now Jesus is breaking the rules. Because there is one thing you don't do in a hospitality culture. You don't invite yourself over. (laughs) Jesus is walking by. He commands. Hey, little man, come down from that tree. I'm sure he didn't say little man. I didn't say little man. Hey, you, say, get down. I'm coming to your house today. Now, most of us are thinking, is my house clean? Is my wife going to kill me? Like, even in our culture, right? It's like you're texting the kids, pick up the living room, right? Jesus just says, I'm coming to your house today. Coming to your house today. Sorry. Even even here, it's like Jesus is like, you know what? Now I'm going to break the rules. He sees the extent of Zacchaeus' curiosity and hunger and invites him over. This is like what you call a divine appointment. I, I believe God is doing this all the time around us. And that the, frankly, the more that we're open to them, the more frequent they happen. Where you're not next to somebody in line at Walmart or Aldi or wherever you shop, or if you're a Wegmans person, bless you. Um, I'm cheap and fast. Aldi, baby. Um, but that person you're next to in line, the cash register person, the, the your neighbor, the, like... I just believe that God's setting stuff up all the time, and I just need to have my radar on. And there's opportunities. And Jesus recognizes this joker has run ahead and got up in this tree just to see me. I'm going to your house today. Because he sees something that's going on in his heart. 
remember years ago um, when I started dating Elizabeth. Um, she was at Virginia Tech, and I was uh, here in Chesterfield, and I was a school teacher at the time. And I got to tell you, it did not take but a few hours and a few days. I was dating Elizabeth, and I was smitten. And something happened to me where I was just kind of this, you know, regular guy to like, I want this woman in my life. And I was like, I don't know, something just flipped in me, right? And she was at Virginia Tech. I'm in Chesterfield. I burned up my little blue two-door Celica. It was a beautiful car, but she was well worth it. And um, I burned it up going back and forth. And like, I'm like, how? I need to land this lady if this is what God wants and if she will, re- like, this, this is my person. And so I'm focused, and I was like, I, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm like, I needed to meet her her dad and her dad was in the church that we were going to and of course she's a few hours away from virginia tech and it you guys know like you got to win dad right you need to win dad if you don't try to win dad you're going to make things hard anyhow so i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna win dad right so i walked up to mr james milton kinlaw at church and i'm like how you doing he says That's about what James Milton Kinlaw would give you. Not unkind. Just doesn't waste words. And I I just start talking with him, and I'm trying to chit-chat with someone who don't chit-chat. And I get this bold idea. And, you know, Elizabeth's at school, and it's a Sunday afternoon. And I said, what you doing this afternoon? Like, you know, going home watching the Redskins. I said, that sounds great. Can I come over? And he looks at me, and he got pretty verbose for James Milton Kinlaw, and he says, you are welcome to come over to my home, but you're a 22-year-old young man, and surely you have better things to do. And I was like, and I said, now I'll see you at one. <laughs> and I just remember going up to that door, knock, 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 and I'm going to enter into the awkwardness. And I sat there, and I'm watching the Redskins, which I love the girl, so, you know. Um, I'm sitting there watching, and her brother, who's 10 years older than her, her brother's there, and he's looking at me, you know, and of course he's doing the big brother thing, and he's like looking at me, and he goes, and he's asking me weird questions like, so the Blues Brothers, have you heard of it? And I'm like, yeah, it's a movie, right? He says, have you had the opportunity to commit it to memory? And I'm thinking, what? (laughs) Like I'm in just like this twilight zone, But I'm like, I'm going to win this man. And I thought, I am going at you, not away from you. And there was just something in my heart that's like, I love this woman, and I'm pursuing this woman. And if and if you are part of that pathway, by golly, we're going to be buds. It worked out. But, you know, sometimes your internal motivation will break some cultural norms. What's burning in your heart, the desire that's in you and what you want will just begin to break some things that will just say, you know what? I really don't care about all of that. This is my pathway and this is where I want to go. And Jesus, you know, he's he's ignoring another big cultural norm or cultural pressure. 
And that is, everybody rejects the Jewish tax collector because he's a turncoat. He's not part of the community. He's made his decision. He's made his bed. He's going to lie in it. But, you know, the question really isn't, does the Lord want to be a part of our lives? He has made that abundantly clear. It's not if God cares. It's not if he loves me. It's not if you're worthy enough. It's, it's none of those ifs. He, he so loved the world that he gave his only son that we wouldn't perish. He has made the move. No greater love as a man than this, than he would get, lay down his life for his brother's life. He has made move after move, and they're all towards us. He has shown his hand, and he has said, yes, I love you, and I want to redeem you, and I'm willing to pay for your sin and bring you into my family and, and, and give you a, a new authority and grace in your life so that your life can come under his authority and kingdom rather than the kingdom of the enemy. And so the real question isn't, does the Lord want to be part of our lives? It's, do we want to make room for him in ours? Do we want to make room for him to stay in our home? Do we want to make room for him to stay in our business? Do we want to make room for him to be in our relationships and have actual authority in our relationships? Do we, do we want to bring him into our hearts? Like, Do we want to ask him to stay? I love this scripture in Revelations 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. You know, I, I, I'll turn something around and I'll think about it. Like, if I was Jesus, I'd do a terrible job at it. But I'm thinking, he's Jesus, right? Why not, like, set up shop somewhere and make everybody come to him? Right? Like, he's Jesus. Hey, if you want me, here's the address. But no, he's walking through Jericho and he sees a man. And he's inviting him, like he's going to the man's house. He's, he's coming to that place. And the scripture says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, and I think hearing his voice is all about the openness of our hearts. I think that applies to the unbeliever and it applies to the believer. Are we willing to hear what he's saying? That's a whole other message. If anyone hears the voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He is coming to your house. The religious are muttering about Jesus and they're saying he's the he's a guest of a sinner. And you know what Jesus says? Exactly. Exactly. I love first Timothy one fifteen. It says, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, which I find a little ironic when God's word talks about itself and says, listen to this. It's really listen to this, right? Like, it's already in Scripture, but like Scripture says of itself, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then we see the humility part again. Of whom I am the worst. This is the Apostle Paul writing his son in the faith of Timothy, who is a pastor over churches, and he is saying, here's a trustworthy saying. He's saying something very obvious to his son in the faith, but he's like bottom lining it. He's just like, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he doesn't exclude himself from it. He says, and I'm the very worst. I love that. I love that. You know, it's, it's, it's not us and them. It's, it's us 
and opening the door to as many of them who would say, yes, Jesus. Not choosing sides. The only sides are us versus the devil. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and authority. They're not, people are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And what's great, what's great is that God has given us authority where the enemy is not allowed to mess with your life. He can try, but you have authority to say, not in my house. Not today, Satan. Not today. Luke 19.8 says, but Zacchaeus stood up. And he said to the Lord, 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 here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. Which is like really cool. Like He's making, oh, let me, let me finish reading. It says, and I've, if I've cheated anybody out, I'll pay him back four times the amount. And Jesus says to him, today salvation has, has come to this house. And because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So after Jesus has gone up, and Zacchaeus has had his moment, right? Because Jesus has looked at him and said, get down here, I'm coming to your house today. And I don't know about you, but like, I might have a little swagger. Like, he's coming to my house. He's t- Wife, clean it up. You know, we're coming. I'm coming with Jesus. He could have just like, dropped the mic, walk. Me and Jesus. But he doesn't do that. In that moment, he is so moved that he's like, out of his heart comes this, right now I'm giving half of everything I own to the poor. If I've cheated anyone, I'm going to give them four times what is necessary, which by Jewish law, like, um, the most you would ever have to pay somebody back is four or five times. And that's if like you stole livestock and you slaughtered the livestock and couldn't actually give them their sheep back kind of thing, right? And so this was like the highest pinnacle. Normally what you would pay back is, you know, whatever you stole in 20%, right? I don't know what 20% of an animal is, but regardless, right? So this guy, if he's done anything wrong, it's a financial, you know, thing. But he's like, what's coming out of his heart is this half of everything I have, and I'm going to give, you know, four times of anyone. Like, you can just, what you're seeing is a heart that's been transformed. It's not about the half. It's not about the four. It's about the heart. This man's heart has been transformed in this moment. It made me think, as an aside, it makes me think of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, and he's like having this discourse about, what do I need to do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And he's like, well, what does Scripture tell you? And he's like, you know, love God and, you know, serve your neighbor like those. And he's like, I've done all those things. And, the guy, and Jesus is like, sell all you have to the poor. And the guy walks away sad. Two different, very different stories. In one story, you got a, a man who's a social outcast who's willing to do anything, break any norm, just to lay his eyes on Jesus. And when he has an encounter with Jesus, he's like, I'll give it all up. Like, he's just lost himself in it all. And in the other story, you have somebody who is esteemed, and, you know, he was a rich young ruler, so in society, people would have thought a lot of him because they would have tied his success to um, his um, his relationship with God or his position with God, which is not necessarily the case, right? And But this guy's trying to work a system. And he's like, what do I need to do? And so Jesus then says, sell all you have. And the reason he says it is because he knows that what he has has him. He walks away because he can't do it. This other guy, he gets away with just giving half of what he has. 
And it's really not the amount, it's the heart. I just know that God is, he's preparing hearts. He's preparing hearts. And there are times where we just have to be willing to break some rules. Just break some rules. Break some cultural norms to talk about Jesus. Recognize when God is working in someone's heart and cooperate with it. Plant some seeds. Just plant seeds. Use, use Christian words in an unweird way if you can. You know, and like, like just kind of drop, like I had a great day at church on Sunday and, you know, we talked about the scripture or, you know, I'm so excited about Bethlehem Walk. Have your kids ever seen like a live, uh, you know, depiction of the Christmas story? Oh, it's amazing. You should just take your kids there. Yeah, you may have an agenda there, but it's okay. It's a good godly agenda, right? But, you know, it's like, you know, just talking about it as if it's normal. Sometimes what needs to happen is you have to make it normal, not awkward. You just have to say it like you're comfortable in your own skin because of who you know. And if it's not normal and it's not, you know, the cultural thing to do, you just create a new realm. I'll tell you what, though. You start having those conversations. They start coming out of your mouth. People will know who you are and they will come to you because you're the safe place for that hunger that's in them to express themselves. I just want to encourage you. Just allow the Holy Spirit to work in your relationships, in the brief encounters, in the people that you've known for years. I was so proud of you as a church last week. I had two people come to me two days in a row where they said, Pastor Mike, I was talking to so-and-so. And they, I was talking to them about their life in Jesus. And their response to me was, well, I'm a good person. And both people separate, didn't even know it, two different days, they looked at me and they said, this is what I told them, Pastor Mike, you know it doesn't work that way. And I, I was just like so proud. I was just like, oh. What a beautiful way to put that. And they boasted the exact same words, one to, a, to their own mother and another to a friend. And they were like, you know, it doesn't work that way. What a great way to start that conversation. It's not based on if you're a good person. You can't be good enough. It's not about being a good person. It's about the fact that he's good. And he took all your sins and he made you good when you're not good. It's just that simple. It doesn't work that way. And praise God, it doesn't. I just want to encourage you. Will you break rules? Will you break some rules? I don't mean like in a, like in a I'm going to show myself or I'm going to make a point or like out of any kind of arrogance. I mean, will you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you to just break some rules and to just let your light shine and just say what you believe, say in whom you believe, and just see what God does. You know what's cool? When you water and when you plant enough, God lets you see the miracle. There'll be those moments where the Lord will speak to your heart and he'll say, ask them right now if they want to give their life to Jesus. And you'll just say these words like, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And they'll say yes. And you'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my gosh, I feel so unqualified. Oh my gosh, you know, you just like, in this moment, you're like, what am I doing? You're really living life. And you are seeing a miracle 
plant water, make some rules, and see Jesus work. It is so much fun. This is our time of the year. This is our time. Would you stand with me this morning?